Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Savers win it 4-3 to three after a deficit early. Buffalo comes back with four goals in period two, and they hold on to beat the Philadelphia Flyers by a 4-3 to three margin. We welcome you back here to KeyBank Center up in the Ted Darling Memorial Press Box. I'm Brian Colziel. This is the Sabres postgame show. We're live and on the air and underway as 11,046 at KeyBank Center saw the Sabres come back with a nice win tonight. And the special teams were monstrous in this game. Three penalties the Sabres took in the third. Skinner, Gergensen, and Thompson all went for two-minute minors. They killed them all off. Also, Buffalo had two of their four goals on the power play. So special teams coming up big uh, for the Sabres, who I think at this moment are the better team than the Flyers. And that initial start obviously put them in a hole. But I think from pretty much the halfway point of the first period on, the Sabres were the better team, and uh, they come away with a 4-3 to three victory. Coming up here on the postgame, we'll be heading down to the locker room shortly, get some player reaction here from this Sabre win tonight. We'll hear from some of the players that were involved in this win. We'll also hear from Sabres head coach, Don Granato, his postgame comments. We'll get Paul Hamilton's take, and uh, we'll get you scores from around the NHL coming up here as well. But obviously a very, very solid second period. Um, it was chippy in the first, especially I think Buffalo is a little frustrated of being down 0-2. Just a, a couple of sloppy plays led to that 0-2 deficit. Darlene's leading the charge of kind of the feistiness. He and Konecki get involved together with some slashes and some hits. They both take penalties at some point. Then Tuck and Sanheim get in on the act. Uh, they're battling with penalties and slashing and roughing with each other. Uh, and then at the end of the uh, first with Buffalo on the power play, Kyle Oposo gets hit and goes down and barely makes it back to the bench. And well, it didn't look good after one because of not only the injury to Oposo, but just how the Sabres found themselves in a hole. But guess what? Oposo comes out, ends up getting the first power play goal up to 20, and they're off and running. Then Darlene scores on a really nice setup, and uh, then Buffalo gets two more before the period comes to an end. So locker room reaction coming up. But first, let's get you the moments of the game. They're brought to you by Jim's Stakeout, celebrating 40 years of mouth-watering hoagies and chicken finger subs. Well, Buffalo down 2 nothing to Philly after one. As We picked the highlights up early second. The Sabres on the power play. And a nice feed from Krebs finds a poso on the power play for his 20th of the season. Left there for Yoki Haru, who guns it in over the blue line, tip back to the point. Now it comes over to Krebs. He clears it in beside the net. And the score! Father's Day comes early. Dad gets one. And Buffalo is on the board on the power play. Kyle Oposo, number 20 from Krebs and Yoki Haru. Power play goal. 3.17 into the period, it was 2-1 Philadelphia. Just over five minutes later, Sabres tie things up. Some great work from Skinner, 
keep control of the puck on the delayed penalty, and he finds Dahlin for his 11th to tie it up at two. Skinner steals it. Skinner gets in over the line and got hooked from behind. Penalty coming up here to the Philadelphia Flyers. Sabres keep it alive. Dumped across ice. They shot his Rasmus Dahlin takes the pass and rips it in. Buffalo ties it at two. Darlene's 11th, Skinner and Olofsson, the assist at 8-27. to the score there. Buffalo, though, gives the lead right back to Philadelphia on a bad angle, bad goal from Craig Anderson. Travis Konechny gets his 14th. That made it a 3-2 Philadelphia lead, but Buffalo comes back a minute and a half later. Loose puck in front. Hinnestroza pounces on it to tie things up at three. Buffalo trying to find an opening, sending it back to the point to Bryson. Bryson left it there. Inostroza got it across to Fitzgerald. He takes a shot. That's right on. That's kicked away in front. The rebound. They score. Inostroza was there. And he made no doubt about it. Tied at three. Inostroza's 12th. Jurgensen's and Fitzgerald assisting. 3-3 the score. Just over two minutes later. Buffalo going on top for good. On the power play. Tage Thompson with a wrister. The middle stat, he'll send it down low. Middle stat again. Back to Darlene. Darlene to middle stat. Middle stat doesn't shoot. Got to the other side. Thompson, he scores! Whoa! Tage Thompson finds room behind Martin Jones on the power play. And Buffalo's in the lead, 4-3. to three. Thompson's 34th. 17.58 mark from Middlestad and Darlene on the power play. That made it 4-3 Buffalo. That's the game winner. That's the play of the game brought to you by Seneca Sports Lounge. You can bet on Buffalo with Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Third period, the story is special teams. Buffalo takes three penalties. They kill them all off. And the Sabres hold on to win it by a final score of 4-3. Final shot totals tonight, 29 for the Sabres, 21 for the Flyers. Power plays, Buffalo 2 of 4, Philadelphia 0 of 4. Your three stars, Oposo with a goal, star number three. Hinestroza with a goal, star number two. And Rasmus Dahlin, your first star. He had a goal and an assist. He is the number one star of this hockey game. The attendance, 11,046. Sabres only have two home games left. Next Saturday afternoon against the Islanders. And then Friday, April 29th against Chicago. There's only five games left, uh, but the Sabres will next play on the road in Philly, part of the home-and-home home with the Flyers tomorrow night, 5 o'clock. We'll have it for you right here on the Sabres radio network. But good penalty killing for the Sabres in the third. Uh, the referees were calling things tonight. They haven't. We haven't really seen a game in which they've been calling things regularly. Um, they had done it throughout the game. Uh, as we mentioned, kind of the chippiness in the first and throughout, I thought the holds and the hooks, those were being called, which I'm okay with. Like, if they're penalties, I don't care when it is in the game or when it is during the season. I want them called. I think it just makes the game a little bit more fun. So, uh, And, you know, I want to see this, the skilled guys do what they do well. I don't want them being called uh, or I don't want them being hampered or handcuffed because of holding and hooking along the way. So I'm okay with it being officiated the way it was tonight. Uh, other good things in this game. 
Darlene just continues to do, I think, really good things. Look, at he's playing on his offside now on the right side. He scored twice doing that here over the course of these last three games. And when he gets mad, when he gets pushed around, like he seems to have some of his best stuff coming back. And he was agitated early, but I thought he played very well uh, in this game. I thought Skinner was very good, drew a penalty in the third period. Uh, that play to set up Darlene for that goal, which tied things up at two, was some really good work. And all of that was during a delayed penalty call. So at any point had the Flyers been able to even just touch the puck for a second, that would have stopped that play. But instead, Skinner really kept good control of it, and it allowed uh, the play to continue, which eventually led to the feed uh, from Darlene, or to Darlene, uh, which gave him the goal, which tied things up at two. Um, in goal, still Craig Anderson. That you know, the third one that went in. It's a good thing it didn't end up costing Buffalo tonight because that was a really bad one. Uh, we spoke with Kevin Adams on our pregame show. Uh, we tweeted it out. Check it out at WGR five fifty. Um, what are they going to do in goal? He, uh, when asked him about Lukanen, could he be the guy next year? He really just talked about progressing and you know seeing what he does. Hopefully, he says with playoffs this year uh, for the Amherst. They're in a playoff race, but. You know, what are they going to do in goal next year? We know Portillo um, and Levi are not options for the Sabres next year. Not that they necessarily would have been in Buffalo, but uh, now they're still going to be at least a year away from getting to this organization. So what does Kevin Adams do? He does have to spend some money. Well, he doesn't, I guess he doesn't have to officially. They've got to get to the floor, uh, but there'll be room to spend money. And, again, it seemed like the argument of spending a lot of money on a goalie is not necessarily always the wisest one, but I think – you know, I'll I'll use what Paul was saying. Like, do you want to really stunt the growth of the rest of your team right now? The forwards are maybe ahead of schedule. Your D's looking really good. Do you want to have another season that doesn't go well because of a goalie? All right, down to the room we go. Live interviews. Kyle Oposo is speaking live. Ready? Uh, yeah, just made sure it wasn't uh, broken, and then just some Advil and Tylenol, and away we go. So it. Uh, once I figured out I could skate on it, then the adrenaline just kind of kicks in. So probably be pretty sore tomorrow, but um, glad I got through it. Kyle, it looked like the, the second period actually started in the first half of the first. You had that penalty kill when you could have been down three nothing. Did you sense you guys were starting to make some headway in that game, and it really just took off in the second? Uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of missed that second half of the first that you're talking about, but um, I thought in the second period we came out and and. We just um, we willed it um, to go our way, and um, we just were on our toes and and playing well in the offensive zone, handing off good shifts. We did we did the right things, and and I just think early in the game we were just a little bit lackadaisical without the puck, and um, just a little bit slow on uh, transitioning to defense, and I think that's that's what hurt us. And um, you know, we've we've had a heck of a stretch of games here, and we're kind of coming down to the end of it. But um, that's that's a great response uh, in the second and third periods there. For all you've gone through in the last few years, and especially offensively in the last two, I mean, what does getting to 20 mean to you? Yeah, it's, it's a nice number for sure. Um, I think it's my first time in Buffalo doing that. And, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a fun year. Um, to watch this group grow and to to have, feel like I had a hand in it and to feel like I'm a part of it and it's been just a ton of fun playing with these guys and and you know Donnie came in and and allowed me to just play free and um, 
you know, use the skills that, that got me here and, and that I've used my whole career. And, um, so yeah, definitely, a uh, a nice, uh, better in the cap. I thought it was a huge win. Um, I think that, you know, like you said, we didn't come out in the first period and play our game, but to be able to realize that we needed a change and actually do it, I thought that that was that spoke volumes about where we're at and where we're going as a team. And um, I just loved the way that we came out in the second period, and we just weren't going to be denied. And you know, they go up three-two. Doesn't matter. We just keep going. We just keep chugging along and keep playing the right way and playing our game. We didn't let them dictate anything, and um, just couldn't be happier for uh, for the group. It seems like you guys got angry after those first two goals. I mean, Rasmus, a bunch of guys just seemed like they were mad that that had happened, and they seemed bound and determined to turn it around. Well, yeah, it wasn't us, and. Um, I was not happy. I was steaming inside, and I was uh, pretty pent up. And if I didn't take that shot, I might have lost my marbles a little bit after the first. But um, it was it was just great to see everybody kind of band together and not use that energy for negativity. We used it the right way, and that was that was a huge thing. And that was Donnie's message after the first period. And I think it kind of calmed us down and and it made us refocus on what was important. And that's beating beating them on the scoreboard. And, and I think that's what we did in the second. Thanks. All right, there is Sabres forward Kyle Laposo, his 20th of the season, and uh, good for him, hitting the 20 mark. It's the first time that he's hit 20 as a Sabre. He was correct in saying that. And it's the first time he's hit 20 goals since the 2015-2016 season. He's hit 24 times in his career, uh, but now the first time doing it as a member of the Buffalo Sabres. And I would agree that... Yeah, it's a nice number for sure. Uh, I know Oposo, for the most part of his career, we've been talking about his contract, but still a year left, still $6 million. And, you know, Paul had mentioned during the intermission, he said, look, you know, maybe you go one-year deals after that. If he still comes back next year and is able to hit 20 again, and clearly there's value in what he's doing uh, in the room as one of the associate captains on this team. He seems to be extremely well liked I mean he and Gergensen's took Owen Power out for dinner the other night in Tampa getting uh, him ready for that first game so uh, there's value in his leadership in the room and you know that has been a big question mark with this team for a long time and they're getting good leadership right now back to the room and Rasmus Dahlin tonight's first star speaking with the media you and a bunch of guys look like you got really mad you got angry at the way you're all playing and it seemed like you used that energy to get back into the game yeah uh... And then the uh, first period, we uh, were emotional, uh, frustrated. So uh, Don was talking about a lot that we have to go come back and uh, not being emotional. We have to uh, use our emotion to other advantage. So uh, that's what we did. And a uh, great second period, we came back and uh, we battled the third. So it was a good game. What does it mean for the guys to come back into the game and you know, get his 20th on his birthday after all he's been it's huge, you know. He's a leader, and uh, like you said, he came back. He could almost couldn't almost move. Uh, so, huge, huge game for him, and uh, we all are super happy for him. He's a role model for us, and um, 
you know, he's a great leader. The puck was moving so well in that period. I mean, Krebs fed Kyle, Skinner fed you. I mean, what went into that period, the way you guys were moving the puck compared to the first? Uh, you know, it starts with competing. It starts with working hard, and then uh, we have a lot of skilled guys out there. And um, when you start when you start the period simple and hard, uh, stuff like that comes. So uh, we play the right way the second period, and, um, uh, yeah, that period was big for us. Johnny tells us that he loves it when players come after you because it makes you compete more, it makes you mad, it makes you play better. And it seemed like that happened today. What's his name? I can't think of who it was. Came after you. Yeah. And you just played better. I mean, does does that just get your competitive juices going when that happens? I mean, I guess so. Uh, you know, uh, I like a gritty game. And, uh, yeah, they got me going for sure. Uh, I really wanted to, to score there. And uh, that's what happened. So, I mean, I don't have to score every time. But, uh, yeah, my game gets better when I'm in the game and battling and Competing, uh, I think that's the biggest thing. When I'm competing, I play my best game. It seems like every other game you're telling a new career high. Are you a numbers motivated guy? Do you look at the score sheet and think about that? Uh, I mean, no. when you uh, get recognized for it, obviously it's uh, super exciting. But, um, you know, you can't skate around and think about it. And um, You know, points comes when the team plays good. And, um, you know, you're feeling it or whatever so you can't force force it to try to get points and stuff like that so uh, you just got to play and uh, stuff happens out there Brown was 20 23 minutes tonight for power he played over four minutes on the pk he's been here a week i mean what, what do you guys take from just how simple and his game is and how he just seems to make the right decision all the time with the ball? yeah you know uh that's it's crazy how how simple he adjusts and um you know, uh, I learned a few things from him. He's uh, he likes to hold the puck in the, in the ozone, and I like watching it and do the same thing. So, uh, you know, he's great for us, and uh, he will just grow and grow and become a great defenseman in this league. So, uh, we're super happy that we have him for sure. You never want to take three penalties in a row in the third period like that, but that's what happened. What went well on those penalty kills that you guys were able to get through it and hold on to your lead? Uh, we stayed aggressive. Uh, starts in the neutral zone. Uh, we took away their time, and um, Andy made some great saves too. Uh, I mean, it was a it was a team effort right there, and uh, you need you need that if you're gonna win games in this league. So, uh, yeah, big win. That kind of takes you out of your game, though, doesn't it? You didn't have many shots because you were killing penalties the whole period. I mean, does that kind of take you out of what you guys are trying to do? Uh, that's a part of our game, you know. <laughs> uh, you have to you have to do those things, but um, to to win hockey games. So, uh, great great team effort today. Thank you. Okay, that is Sabres defenseman Rasmus Dahlin, and you heard him commenting on Owen Power. Power tonight leading the Sabres in ice time. Uh, 22:59. He led all skaters on the Sabers. So Don Granado said he wasn't going to hold back. He was going to kind of let Power just go and learn and adjust. He said he's a super intelligent player. He's going to figure it out, even if he makes a mistake. He knows after he sees it and looks at it, he won't do it again. And uh, Power obviously getting this opportunity. He's not being uh, spoon-fed here or uh, baby steps at all. Power out there playing. 23 minutes essentially tonight uh, leading the Sabres in ice time. How about that? Power on one pair, Darlene on the other pair. You can kind of see what the, the maybe the puzzle is starting to look like 
Uh, Yoki Haru and Power together, real nice pair. And Darlene and Samuelson together. Like, okay, take that as the uh, the top four, one-two punch of the defense there. Those two. I mean, when is Samuelson ever out of position? It's like it's like never. So Darlene can go ahead and do his thing, and you can say the same thing without Power. Go ahead and do his thing. You got Yoki Haru there with him. So. I mean, the the top four defensemen right there for the Sabres. Uh, Ms. Samuelson was a guy that you had hoped that would maybe look good in an NHL uniform this year. But, boy, he has really, really blossomed. I know Owen Power is going to get a ton of attention, obviously. The development of Darlene this year, shooting through the roof, playing at an all-star level, definitely going to get an att- getting attention. But don't forget how good Samuelson has been. And the top four for the Sabres, however that ends up shaking out, if it is Darlene and Samuelson and Yoki Aryu and Power that kind of end up staying together. Uh, and, by the way, credit Don Granato. He does like to seem to kind of keep guys together. He's done it a lot at forward, done it on defense, where he hasn't just shaken guys up every night. Sometimes he'll do it within a game to kind of create, you know, shake things up, create a spark, but he doesn't do it every game. Um, those 4-D right there, that's got to have you excited for sure if you're a Sabre fan. 4-3 the final. Buffalo over Philadelphia. These same two teams will meet tomorrow at 5 o'clock in Philly. We'll have the pregame show coming up at 4 uh, right here on the Sabres radio network. Okay, Don Granato has now made his way to the media room. Let's take you there and hear from the Sabres head coach. What was going on in the first period, you kind of told them they need to challenge, channel that energy a little bit differently. Uh, but they, they told you all that. Huh? That's they, pretty good. They, they, they actually remembered what I said to them? Yeah. <laughs> but they certainly were angry, and maybe that was a good thing, that they were pretty mad to the way they came out. That Yeah, I, I, my message to them was your emotional energy cannot go toward that other team. Your physical competitive energy is fine, but we do not need emotional energy. And I thought they, uh, uh, they were really, really good, obviously really good in the second period. In the third, we had to kill more than we would have liked to kill, and we used a lot of different guys there. And... Uh, the battle level remained high, and it was nice to see that. Uh, without question, the atmosphere was was energizing. Uh, the building was was into it. You know, we fall down early, and the building was still into it. Um, and I, th- I think the guys felt that and uh, really had a sense of, you know, not only playing for each other, but you could feel them them starting to play and feel the energy within the building, and that's that's really nice to see. Good. How significant? Very significant, yeah. Yeah, I was, you know, Kyle gets injured, going where he should go, right in front of the net, and it's not a, it's not an easy shot. He takes Tage Thompson's shot, and Tage had a lot of time to corral that and, and lean into it and torque it. So that was a heavy, heavy shot to get hit. Um, and, uh, you know, we did, uh, did look at it. And uh, we're happy to see him return. There's no question he returned in pain and finished the game with pain. Uh, and then to see him score, and I think it was his 20th goal, uh, very, very nice. I mean, that's a guy that um, if, if he is our, without question, our biggest leader. Um, there is no doubt he has a immense presence in everything we do. And when you see, you, we saw it tonight. I mean, everybody saw it. He, he does, he, he takes that shot block he finishes his shift he's a pro and he comes back out there because he cares about his team and scores a goal and uh that's okay we're how lucky much, we have him sorry how much did you just want to watch this second period and just see what they did because you knew they were angry and a young team sometimes they won't be able to yeah. you know corral that emotion how much were you just wanted to watch yeah it, you know from the coaching side you know i 
my approach has always been coach as little as you possibly have to like get out of the way of the talent and you know you got to give them direction you got to point them in directions and you got to push them absolutely push them uh, and grind them here and there but get out of the way when you when when it's time and uh, you know I said what I said real short in between the second period we gave them uh, you know a clip or two to look at things that they could correct or things that they did well that we want to do more of and it's time for them to take over and, and you do you sit back and you watch until you you feel you have to interject at some point and uh, that was nice because I didn't have to do that they, they, they took over um, collectively and they were extremely responsible individually and we had guys even going at each other on the bench a little bit but but in in a way you would as your brother you know you go at it and the next shift they're out there and they're actually five times better than they were last shift because uh, they pushed each other the right way and that's fun to watch you know, Power was at 23 minutes tonight. He's at 418 on the penalty kill. I mean, we knew the billing. We knew he's the number one pick. He's been here a week. I mean, did you envision that kind of role instantly, or what did you think when he came in? Uh, yeah, I, I did. I mean, I've watched him play enough, and, um, you know, he's able to do that. I can't mention Owen without mentioning Yokoharu, without mentioning Darlene. Uh, without mentioning Samuelson. I mean, the, these guys, those three guys, and, and, and that's no slight to Bryson or Fitzy, who played very well, but those are the guys he's playing with, shift in and shift out in situations and, and, and in our forwards. And we're at a point in our season where, you know, the guys have, have formed together as a team and they support each other really well. So to insert a talented player such as Owen, there's a lot of support around there that makes me very, puts me at ease to put him in all these situations. Um, but I do know from watching him, you know, it's easy to, it was easy to assess his ability. I mean, that's easy. I've watched enough players over the years uh, that knew he had the ability to come in the league. But his intelligence was the real thing, that he will learn really, really fast from any mistakes. And uh, so we need to just keep getting him in situations. And we've watched it occur with Thompson. We've watched it occur with uh, Darlene and Yoki because they're talented guys and this is another one that uh, we want to accelerate that uh, development or acclimation. You guys did it again with Henestrosa's goal uh, just, what was it, a minute and a half later after. You've dominated the period. One goes in, I don't know, maybe Craig might want it back, whatever, and a minute and a half later you pick each other up and you got a, you got a goal and, and tie it. And It just seems like you guys are doing more and more and more of that as you're going on in the season, aren't you? Yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I mean, definitely, we're definitely progressing, which is nice. I mean, you want to keep things moving forward. But Vinny, Vinny's an energy guy. He's a relentless guy. He's a guy that can sit on the bench and get skipped over with their, it's when it's special teams. You know, when it's power play penalty kill, power play penalty kill. He doesn't get out there. And I know as a coach, get him out there. He's he's it's it's stewing in him that competitive juice. Uh, and he plays it the right way. It's not there's nothing selfish about him. He's a very selfless player that works for for us and for our team and you know that was a big goal it was a big he did a few things just before the goal but um, as I mentioned with Akposo the intangible ingredients uh, you know Vinny has his own set of that and um, yeah it's they they are we are identifying how to play as a collective unit uh, it's allowing our defensemen to be way more aggressive than we could have allowed our defensemen a month ago or even prior to that um, May have cost us early with the goal, uh, but we need to play that way. We need to now, you know, keep finding ways to get better and improve our game, and 
um, I thought we pushed to that end today, and we, we did, obviously, in that second period. Good night, all. Okay, there's Sabres head coach Don Granato following a 4-3 to Sabres victory over the Philadelphia Flyers. These same two teams will meet tomorrow in Philly at 5 p.m. We bring it back up here to the press box. Brian Colesdale with you, Sabres postgame show. Good news with Kyle Oposo returning. Did look like that was a, uh, a tough thing to hear from, but we'll see. Obviously, he said he's going to be sore. Uh, will he be able to play tomorrow? Maybe he'll wake up, but who knows, you know. We know how that is. Sometimes you wake up and you're like, oh, my goodness, what happened? It tripled in size in terms of maybe the welt or the bruise. But uh, for Kyle's sake to come back, and Don Granato talked about it, he's just he's in everything. You know, they said, what, he's part of the leadership, part of the scoring, part of the offense, part of the defense, part of everything to do on and off the ice. Um, a, a really, really, I think, big moment and inspiring moment for this team to see that one of their leaders or the leader, as he said it, their biggest leader, uh, come back knowing that the guys saw them, you know, down the tunnel there, barely being able to walk, and all of a sudden now he's back out there and scoring uh, to kind of get Buffalo off and going with the first of four in the second. The injury report brought to you by Losey and Ganji, Buffalo's workers' compensation and personal injury attorneys working hard for hardworking Western New Yorkers. All right, for all of our local affiliates at this time, we're going to say good night to you. If you want to keep listening to the post game, go to WGR550.com or on the Odyssey app. And for all of you on our flagship here in Buffalo on Sports Radio 550, more post game coming up. We'll get Paul Hamilton's take on the game when we return. Final score from KeyBank Center, Sabres 4, Flyers 3. I'm Brian Colziel. Thanks for listening. This is the Buffalo Sabres Radio Network. Middlestad doesn't shoot, got it on the other side, Thompson, he scores! Cage Thompson finds room behind Martin Jones on the power play, and Buffalo's in the lead, 4-3. to three. Rick Jetteret in the call, that's the game winner, Tage Thompson, late in period number two, part of a four-goal explosion by Buffalo in that period. The Sabres have scored four goals in a period only one other time this year. Guess who was it against? You're right, Philadelphia back on January 22nd. 4-3 the final and these two teams will meet again tomorrow 5 o'clock. Sabres over the Flyers here. Uh, let's bring in Paul Hamilton. Uh, just a reminder by the way for those of you maybe in your car on your way home tonight if you didn't get a chance to hear our conversation with Sabres GM Kevin Adams we're going to play that for you. Lots of good topics uh, right after I uh, speak here with Paul and get his takes on this comeback win, Paul. And uh, you can hear how much Kyle Oposo means to this team. Everybody up there mentioned how much his leadership was and how inspired they were by him coming back after barely being able to even get off the ice after taking that shot uh, to the body. And then he comes back out and starts the scoring. And the thing is, he's a quality human being, and that, that's the thing. And, and people didn't want to hear it when things weren't going well for him throughout the, some of the years here in Buffalo. And, you know, always no leader and that kind of stuff. Having no clue. what They've never met the man. They've never been in the locker room. 
But uh, you, you, you just when you talk to people and know Kyle, and, and when you were in the locker room, you knew what kind of leader he was and is. And uh, you know he went through some tough times here in Buffalo, where you know fans were all over him and they wanted him gone and this, that, and the other thing. And it's the first time in his Buffalo career that he scored 20 goals. His high was 19 his first season, and uh, just. I mean, if you, if you have any question in your mind what kind of leader he is to take a shot from Tage Thompson in the knee when Tage Thompson has a, a chance to get, you know, rip it, and he's got probably the hardest shot on the team, and he can't even get off the ice. I mean, they're, they're helping him off the ice, can't put any pressure on it. I mean, he, he looked like his evening and maybe season was over. And he's out there for the opening faceoff for period two, and then scores a goal in period two. I mean, that's just the type of leader and type of person he is. And the the players respond to him. And uh, you know, it's 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 nice to see good people succeed. And it, it was just nice from a human being standpoint to see uh, you know somebody like him to be able to succeed and hit twenty goals as a saber. First time he's done it as a saber. Uh, fourth time he's done it in his career, first time since the 2015-16 season that Oposo hits 20. And, Paula, uh, you know, for as you said, people are always worried about the contract. Well, he scores 20 goals, and Don Granato is going to say that he is the biggest leader in the room. Well, then you could argue that, you know, if, if you want to, that he's living up to that contract. And uh, I think that there's there's a – for a team that has been lacking in leadership in so many ways here over this drought, uh, it is good to hear that, as you said, Oposo, a good a good guy on and off the ice, like that guys are really trying to, or that guys are really rallying about some of the things that he does and says. As I said three years ago, you got to get over it. You know, the contract is what it is. It can't be renegotiated. It can't be changed. It can't be traded. It would have been dumb to buy it out. It is what it is. What you have to do is take the leader that he is and the fact that you're getting double-figure goals out of a bottom six forward. And that's, you know, what he, what he has turned into a very good bottom six forward. This year might be his best year as a Sabre as a bottom six forward. He's also very good on the number two power play and I believe is second on the Sabres in power play goals. And... Uh, when, when you could just let go of the salary, it, it can't be changed. There's nothing you can do about it. And just take it for what it is, a very good bottom six guy who can contribute and kill penalties and play on the power play. Uh, you know, I, I think you can maybe get a better appreciation for him. 4-3, Sabres beat the Flyers. Paul Hamilton with us here on the postgame. Paul Rasmus Dahlin getting one of those goals. Uh, he, again, had a major impact on this game. But early on... You could see the Flyers, and you know, we're kind of chipping at him, and he's slashing back. And uh, he said afterwards that that kind of brings out the best in him, and uh, he's he he seems to thrive even when he's annoyed, <laughs> which is kind of fun to watch for everybody. We know that Don Granado's told us Don Granado wants players to come at him and come after him because it it makes him more competitive than he already is. It makes him want to be better in that game. It makes him want to beat that player. It's like, okay, you're going to come after me. I'm going to come after you with my talent, and I'm going to beat you. And he doesn't back down either. You know, he, he's also a little gritty, can be a little dirty at times, and that's fine. I, I'm good with it all. 
And, uh, you know, he, he brings it on sometimes, too, with the way he plays. He's willing to hit now, and he, he, he does throw some good checks. And, you know, he, he does throw a guy like Austin Matthews and pitch him into the net, which caused Austin Matthews to come back at him. And, uh, you know, so a lot of it he brings on by himself, on, his, on himself. But as Granado said, come after him because it just makes him better and it makes him a better player in that particular game. Darlene scoring tonight, that's 11 for him. That's the most goals by a Sabres defenseman in a single season since the 2010-11 season when Jordan Leopold scored 13. Paul, you remember Jordan Leopold? I do. Yes, 13 yes. goals back then. So it's been a while since it, since a D has even hit double digits, Paul. <laughs> but yeah. uh, go back to He wasn't the defenseman that Rasmus Dahlin is, that's for sure. Wasn't even close, but... Uh, yeah, Darlene, uh, it's, it's been a while since they've had a guy that can, you know, consistently uh, put points up and score some goals from the back end. Another defenseman, Owen Power. Paul leads the team in ice time tonight, 22-59. Don Granato is not babying him. He's letting him go and playing him the most tonight. Yeah, a lot of that ice time penalty killing because they had to kill off three straight penalties in the third period, which could have spelled disaster, but they did a nice job. You know, if the Flyers did get a chance, Anderson came up with a big save, none bigger than a two-on-one on Van Riemsdyk after Thompson had turned one play into a two-on-one shorthanded. I knew what he was doing. I mean, he saw Power coming up as the third guy and coming right down Main Street, right down the middle, and wanted to feed it to him. And uh, unfortunately, Power fanned on it. And when you got a shot like Tage Thompson coming down through that left circle – I think a hundred out of a hundred times you want Tate Thompson to take that shot. And, but he was just being a good teammate and wanted to get him his first goal. And I think the pass was right there. He just fanned on it. But yeah. unfortunately by doing that and jumping in like that, the Flyers got the puck and came the other way two on one and Van Riemsdyk, who's a good goal scorer, was stopped by Anderson, a big save on that penalty kill. But uh, power, Spent a lot of time on the ice, especially in the third period when they had to kill three consecutive penalties. Paul, thank you so much for all your work tonight. We will be hearing our interview with Kevin Adams here from pregame in just a moment, and uh, we'll chat tomorrow. Save two teams, so uh, the prep is uh, a little easier, Paul. It's the Flyers again, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we know just what to say, and it might even be a little more chippier tomorrow. We'll see. That's right. Okay, Paul, we'll talk on pregame tomorrow. Thank you. All right, take care. All right, Paul Hamilton there, Sabres and Flyers tomorrow, 4 o'clock pregame. We'll have it for you on our flagship station, WGR, and then, of course, everywhere along the network at 5 o'clock, Sabres and Philadelphia meeting for the second consecutive night. Just five games left on the schedule. Philly tomorrow, in New Jersey next Thursday, home for the Islanders next Saturday, and then the last week of April, games against the Bruins and Blackhawks. Just two games left in this building this season. Okay. I mentioned Sabres GM Kevin Adams. He's been joining us fairly uh, every about every month or so here on our pregame show. Paul and I really have enjoyed our discussions with him this year. Uh, good opportunity to talk with him tonight. So if you missed that during our pregame show, here's the Sabres GM Kevin Adams tonight on the pregame. All right, Sabres GM Kevin Adams has now uh, stepped into the press box, joining me, Brian Colsey, along with Paul Hamilton. Hey, guys. Kevin, thanks for coming in. No problem. Boy, the year's flown by. This is our last one. <laughs> wow, well, it always hits you, like, uh, driving in, and, the, you know, it's it's a little warmer. Well, not today as much, but it's been a little warmer. The sun's shining, so it, uh, yeah, the year has definitely gone fast, no doubt about it. Yeah. 
Well, fans uh, tonight may get a chance to see uh, what we'll start with, which is Owen Power. Of course, fans have been excited to see his debut the other night and uh, another chance tonight. What have you thought of his first couple games so far in a Sabre uniform? Well, it's uh, it's a lot of what I've seen, you know, throughout this year in terms of his overall game. You know, certainly the poise he shows, uh, the composure with the puck, the, his head up, scanning the ice at all times, looking to make that first, you know, good pass. He's got a really good stick. He kills a lot of plays with his length, covers a lot of ice with his, you know, his six foot six frame. So, um, you know, for us, obviously, we were excited, you know, when we were able to uh, draft him and then watch him develop this year. And our expectation was to get in, you know, learn who's ever, whose names you're, you're playing with and the equipment staff and the trainers and just go be yourself. Go have fun. You know, no expectations in terms of feeling the weight of the world on your shoulders. Just go be you. Um, this is a great group of players that we have in terms of the culture now in the room. They were very accepting and um, just go just go be yourself and just go play, you know, and then let everything take care of itself. Don Granato had said, too, that he said how quickly he's learning and adjusting and how he's engaging with others on the team defensively and how he expects, like, to pick their brain and be able to just pick up right where kind of they're going with that conversation. And I guess, obviously, you know, with a guy that's been so talented his whole life, maybe that goes with the territory. But I guess you don't want to take that for granted. That's good to hear, I would assume. Oh, no, yeah. it's great to hear, yeah. and it's not surprising. I mean, he is uh... – He's extremely self-aware. Uh, he, I've said this to you guys before. He, he has an uncanny ability to process his own game very quickly. And as soon as the game's over or even in between periods, and I've heard the coaches say on the bench after a shift, he's made a comment, I need to do this better. I want to see this on video. He just has good self-awareness um, that a lot of times you don't see in young players. They maybe don't understand their own game as much as maybe an older player that's been around. Um, so that is exciting. He's a curious kid, too. He wants to learn. He asks a lot of questions. You know, it, uh, I Poso and Gergensen took him out for dinner there the first night in Tampa. And, I, you know, I said, uh, Oki, how, how was dinner? And he said, hour of questions. He just wanted to learn, you know, which I think is a great trait. That's the type of young players we want in this organization. And even Don Granato said, you know, when he doesn't face guys like Tarasenko in the, in the, in the uh, Big Ten. And, all right, that happened. So what? I mean, it's one, isn't it one of those deals? And as Don said, it won't happen again. Yeah, and you know what? I, I This might sound uh, crazy, but I love the read he made on the play. It was a set face-off play um, that they had obviously run, and he actually read it really well. He just got, you know, crossed up by a world-class player. And so the process of things is right, just the result didn't uh, end up right for us in that sense. But, no, just um, this is all learning. And he, when you have the capacity to learn and the talent that he does, it just accelerates it. And so that, for me, was why this is such an important stretch of understanding what this level is all about and then take that into the offseason. Okay, now I need to make sure I'm focusing on this in my training, whatever that is. And, uh, you know, I think that will really help him coming into next season. How about another one-a-year young defenseman, Ryan Johnson? Where are you at with him as he made a decision? He has not, um, at this point, made a final decision. We've had great conversations since uh, his team you know, ended in the Frozen Four there. You know, I've personally talked to him, um, talked to his coaching staff. Um, I think everybody's excited about the prospect he is. We've let him know that we're certainly um, comfortable whichever option he wants to take, which is obviously turn professional um, or stay in school. And, you know, ultimately it's up to him. We've, we've talked to him about where we see things, where we see – um, him fitting in and we talked a lot about our younger core and he kind of fits in that age of you know players that uh, could grow up together um, and we'll see where it goes but we certainly feel good about the player and the person he is a couple of goalies that have made a decision are Portillo and Levi and I wanted to ask you about development 
because your forwards and your defense have really done a nice job of development this year, even down in Rochester. And they look like they're moving forward. They may be moving a little forward, more forward than you thought this year. With the two kids not coming and you're not going to have a prospect in Rochester, does that maybe stymie the goaltender growth or maybe move it back a little and put a little gap between your forwards and D and your goaltend- young goaltending? Yeah, it's an interesting uh, thought. I mean, from my perspective, um, they're both in great situations. So you look at, you, you take a step back and you say, where are your prospects playing? What competition is it? What's their um, coaching staff like? And all of, and, I mean, those are those guys are both in really good spots. So that's important. They play every minute of each game, basically, which is not always the case in college hockey, playing back-to-back. So um, we weren't surprised by their decision. It, you know, it's something we've had communication with them all year. Um, we went through the same process with them that we have with Ryan uh, Johnson and just had conversations, explained kind of where we see things moving forward. I guess the takeaway from my standpoint is um, you don't know the answer to your question until you give it a little more time, and we'll see how things develop you know, over the next year. But we're certainly excited about them as prospects. Um, and we really feel good about, you know, when you look at, when you look at the long term of our younger goaltenders in the system, you, you feel good about um, their ability and their, where their games are trending. I know Eric is a bright young man who is in the business school at Michigan, and I know I've heard that's important to him too. I know he has that app and everything. Has, has he indicated to you at all? that he has on his mind that he might want to go to unrestricted free agency. No, he hasn't said that. In fact, um, he said the opposite um, when I had a, I had a good conversation with uh, him. He and his father at one point, um, they actually said, you know, when you look at the National Hockey League, this looks like a great organization in terms of the, the, the opportunity to develop into a National Hockey League goalie. And what's also really good about um, these players that we're talking about is they also know they need to get better, and they know they're not, they're not ready. I mean, it's very rare, especially on the goaltending side, that someone can jump right into at this level, and they need time to develop. And um, for them, they feel comfortable they're in a good spot. They can continue to get better. But, no, he's never indicated that, and um, we'll continue to do the right things with them. We'll continue to have Seamus Kodak, you know, lead in terms of the conversations with him, both those guys, and what they need to work on and how they need to get better. And I'm also a big believer that, you need to communicate well with the people that they talk to every day, which means their coaching staff and their goalie coaches and advisors or people that are around them because you want to all be on the same page. You don't want these young players hearing different things and mixed messages. You want to make sure everybody's on the same page, and I think that's you know something we work hard at on our player development side. How much does it help with Eric that he's very good friends, of course, with Owen and with Rasmus Dahlin? Um, it, you know, it's it, they they a lot, I guess, is the answer. But um, <laughs> he and Owen are close, um, and I didn't realize even the families know each other the Dalines. you know they had played you know together when they were younger kids the parents know each other so um you know i i've encouraged our players to pick up the phone and call and just hey when there's questions a player has um, especially if it's a prospect i can give them an answer it's uh, great when they hear it from someone in the organization but ultimately when players talk to each other and you know Rasmus Dahlin can talk to Eric Portillo about here's what's going on in Buffalo and here's why I'm excited to be part of this organization this is something special it's really powerful you know so I've encouraged communication completely with all of our guys you know whether it's a NHL player to a prospect or a prospect to an NHL player call them and talk to them ask questions I think that's a great culture to have. Sabres GM Kevin Adams with us here Buffalo and Philadelphia coming up a little bit later here on the Buffalo Sabres radio network. Let's go on to another young goaltender, Uka Pekka And I know 
uh, when we spoke about a month ago, I had asked you maybe about his plan. Would we see him back up? And I know you said you were kind of taking it week by week as he was still coming off of the injury at that point. So now, obviously, with the Sabre season coming here toward near its end, it looks as though, obviously, that decision has been made to keep him down there. What went into that decision about not bringing him back up? And overall, kind of where do you see him maybe as could he be the guy going forward next year? Well, I really like, I mean, his game last night was really strong. You know, his his overall game, I would say, in some ways has been um, probably better than his number show, if that makes any sense. There was a stretch in Rochester there where they had a decimated lineup and, you know, he's facing a lot of shots, but he was making a lot of key saves at key times and nights where he maybe gave up a goal or two you didn't like. I loved his mental toughness, his response. So there's a lot of good growth there, and to me, that's all part of the journey, especially as a goalie, learning the ups and downs and facing the adversity. And, you know, as as we looked at our recall situation, it was it was more than just can we come up and get them a game. It was also they're basically playing a playoff game every night in Rochester right now. I mean, their percentage points in or out, you can go from sixth to second in a weekend. And what I weigh or we weigh as an organization is um, – what does a game like last night, you know, mean for him and his development versus, you know, maybe coming up and playing one game here? You know, we're kind of weighing all that. So there's still potentially could happen if if it worked out where he could play, come up and play a game. But I think what he's going through right now and the grind and the pressure of playing in those meaningful games has been really, uh, really good for him. Okay, so you set me up perfect for my next question then. The value of the Emmerichs making the playoffs. Obviously, I'm guessing part of the decision of keeping Quinn there, keeping Paterka there, that was a piece of that to – kind of take some ownership with them and leadership and trying to get that team to the playoffs and then play in the playoffs. Would you consider a, a player like Fitzgerald here with this team now, now that you've got to see him for quite a bit of games, giving the defense some help down in Rochester to maybe get them that extra nudge or two that they would need to get to the postseason because of the value that it could bring? Yeah, we talk about it every day. And, you know, so I guess to look at, look at the big picture, of course, in a perfect world, Rochester making the playoffs and being able to go on a long, meaningful run would be fantastic. And it would be great for not only UPL and JJ and Jack Quinn down there, but, you know, obviously with Krebs and Sammy and, and Fitzgerald potentially going down there. I mean, it, that is Brandon Byro. I mean, these are young, really good players in our organization. In saying that, I think you have to be careful of getting obsessed about that. You know, you have to really take a step back. And I've had this conversation with Seth Appert and the coaching staff. Don't compromise development for that obsession of we have to get in the playoffs and we have to do this. That'll take care of itself. Develop the players to become the best players they can be. And that's the job in Rochester. Um, We want to win. We always expect to win at every level we play. But I want to make sure that we're, we're setting the culture right where when a player walks into that room in Rochester, he knows I have to get better today. And then everything else will kind of take care of itself. So... In saying all that, we definitely want to see him, and I hope it's they make be a push though, here. Right? You're I mean, balancing it you, out. You right. want him to be, of course you want course. him to make it, but you also don't want to, as you said, I think you said it well, jeopardize development. Right. So, so there's yeah. a, you know, you're always balancing. It's not a perfect black and white answer, but, um, you know, we'll see how it goes here. And we'll also keep an open mind on what you suggested as well. It's something we have talked about. But would it, would it hinder Casey? I'm talking about him specifically, his development, knowing that, I, did, I put in 31 good games, but they need my help. Not, not, a, not a penalty that you're going down, but they need my help. Would that hurt his development? I don't think so. I mean, I, you know, again, like it's, I've said this to you guys, I know, in doing this interview before, that you can develop 
in different ways in different leagues. You know, like UPL when he was up here earlier was developing at the National Hockey League. He was getting better, and then he had an unfortunate injury. Casey Fitzgerald's taken a massive step. Now, would it hurt him to go back and play in a meaningful game? I don't think it would. But what is the best thing for him? The competition he's facing, you know, that's kind of the – that's the and we talk about it every day, you know. And so um, we're just trying to balance all of that and make the best decision you can and, and be honest with our players about it. You know, when we make decisions – um, it's for the we try to do it for the right reasons, and I'm a big believer. You just have to communicate, you know. So if we do something like that, we would sit him down and have a conversation and explain things. But you know, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And I'm more obsessed with them making the playoffs than you are. Probably, <laughs> I'm very obsessed with it. I think it'd be great for him. Yeah, no, I do too. It yeah. would be great, but you know, we have to keep the development part. Of it. Um, and just to clarify for fans, I know that there's always we get questions all the time. So Fitzgerald, obviously, we talked about Samuelson, Krebs are eligible for the postseason with Rochester, and Owen Power is not. That's correct. correct? Yeah, okay. Owen is not, just based on the collective bargaining yep. rules and timing and signing and all of that. But the, the other three you mentioned are, and that's why we made sure before the trade deadline just the paperwork that we needed to do to make sure, uh, if that's the case, that they'd be able to go down. Okay. You've got, as, as we move forward here, your draft time. Next two years, you've got four first-round picks and four second-round picks. That's a lot. Yep. Are you thinking in your mind, I'd like to maybe use one or two of those picks as draft currency to maybe pick up, not not Alex Tuck, but a guy who maybe is 25 years old, who's developed, who can be here for a lot of years like Alex. So, Or do you think, no, we need to make those picks. We need to make all eight of those picks coming up in the next two years. Yeah, I think uh, if you're asking, you know, which way do I lean on that, I definitely would lean more towards we need to be, you know, making making the picks and, you know, building the pipeline up. And these, these picks are critical for the future of the organization. And when you take a long view, you know, and I'm talking three, five, six years down the road, then you really – you're going to need these players. These are critical pieces of our future. But in saying that, we have to do our work and be open-minded. Um, if something makes sense, I've always said that we have to be open-minded to um, making a move like that if it was the right thing for organization. What I'd always balance is, um, is it the right thing for the now and the long term? Because I've said this a lot, you can't fast forward. We can't do something and lose our focus and discipline trying to fast forward. We have to stay disciplined. Um, and that, to me, is unbelievable currency to have. Um, that amount of draft picks, first-round picks, uh, it's really valuable. And we really believe that, you know, those type of decisions, and you, if you can draft well, can set you up for sustainable success for the long term. And that's what we're trying to build here. Even like UFAs, I get fans all the time, well, they should be in on this signing. Oh, look at this guy's going to be available. He's going to cost $11 million. Well, we got the room, but... I have a bias towards this, and I, I, I always feel about 70% of the signings, big signings on July 1st, are regretted in two or three years. I don't feel it's a way to build a club. Is, is that kind of a signing, anything you're looking at, or do you believe, no, that's just not the way to do it? Well, I think you have to be, uh, again, disciplined in how you do it. Um, I think there's opportunities to sign players that can come in and, help your help your franchise now but you know this is a really important thing to think about especially if you're a fan thinking about a free agent is it potentially going to box someone out or block a position or playing time of someone that's extremely valuable in our organization to come up so you balance that and it might be a great signing but if it takes ice time away from you name the player jack quinn 
then maybe it's not as good. And, and maybe even in the first year it's right, but then in years two, three, four, it's some, you're suddenly like, ah, oh, we're now we're, you know, we're holding the guy back. So I think you take a look at all those things. Um, you look at term, you look at dollars, you look at who you have in your system, and then you make the right decision um, that you think is best for the franchise. So um, I agree with you, Paul. You, you know, it's hard to – you really need to build a team through the draft, um, staying disciplined. If you can make moves like we were fortunate enough to make with, uh, you know, an Alex talking to Peyton Krabs and a first or pick, you're, you're making a trade, but you're also building your organization up, um, not taking away from your organization in terms of the future. So you balance all that, um, and then if there's the right player there with the free agent time, then we'd look to do it. How do you feel about Krebs? I, sometimes he's a high-wire act out there, but he's young. Again, I, I, some, I might say the same thing I said about pro, or, uh, power. Well, so what? He's going to learn when he coughs the puck up at the blue line, somebody knocks it off his stick and they're gone type of thing. But he makes a lot of good plays, too. I mean, you look at his overall game, he might have that one glaring, uh-oh, but he also may have had eight or nine really nice plays along the way, too. What, what have your thoughts been about him? Well, I think he's, uh, you said it perfectly, I think he's always been a player that's made a lot of plays with the puck. He's, I mean, led the Western League in scoring. I mean, you don't do that without having a high skill level. Um, so what he's learning at this level, and he's still not fully developed. He's not as strong as he's going to be in a couple years, and, um, is the when the right time is to make the play. He trusts his abilities and his instincts, and we want to make sure we give him that creativity. His unreal vision, um, unbelievable work ethic, compete. Once he gets a little stronger and then he realizes when the right time is to make that play and when the right time is just to maybe lay it behind the defenseman or chip it out, um, I think you know he's just he's a sponge, too. The kid's going to keep getting better and better. Uh, really, really excited to have him part of our future uh, you know, moving forward. Kevin, we really appreciate all season, all of the uh, what turned into monthly visits. We yeah. hope we can do it again next year. And uh, I know Paul and I appreciate it, but even just your opportunity to uh, let fans hear your insight and what you're thinking, I know that uh, fans are excited to hear from you. So thank you so much. No, no problem. Anytime. Thanks, uh-huh. guys. That was Sabres General Manager Kevin Adams with myself and Paul Hamilton from pregame tonight. We appreciate the Sabres GM. He's been joining us monthly all year long. So, uh Thanks for him. Hopefully you enjoyed the insight that he was able to provide throughout all of our interviews during the season. Sabres get a win tonight, 4-3 to where Philadelphia. These same two teams again will meet tomorrow. I'll have the pregame show starting at 4. We'll have puck drop just after 5 o'clock as these two teams wrap up their home and home series. And with that, we're going to say goodnight to everybody. We appreciate our staff is always working hard. Our crew back in our Amherst studios, TJ Luckman, our network producer. Thank you, TJ. Producer here at the KeyBank Center, Jonathan Koziel, Paul Hamilton, our reporter, Tom Maddy is our engineer, and our game announcers, Rick Jenneret and Rob Ray. My name is Brian Koziel. I thank you for listening. Again, the final, Buffalo 4, Philadelphia 3. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Sabres and Flyers go at it again, right here on the Buffalo Sabres Radio Network. Good night, everyone.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 